Check mic one. Check mic two. Mic three. Check mic four. Hey, Brad. Yeah, what's up? We hate you. We hate you. <laughs> we hate you so much. For this Just, shitty film. Yeah, your stupid flannel, your stupid uh, <laughs> white wall behind you. <laughs> the wall. The fact Chris, that your house is now cursed. Chris, <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris you're, you're going off topic. This movie. Ladies and gentlemen, please silence your cell phones and kindly shut up for our feature presentation. Shut the f*** up! Guys, the Brews Reviews, the podcast that is already two beers in. My name is Avery, and I'm your DD here alongside my co-host, gentlemen. Please introduce yourselves and tell our little listeners about what you're sipping on. I, for once, am not sipping on my chair, my Pepsi. I'm actually drinking a Gatorade Zero and a Hill Country Fair Cola because it's what's left in my house. Nice, uh, buddy. Here, I am drinking Dream Trip by India Pale Ale. Um, good beer brings good cheer. Wait, it's, um, it's yeah, the I've been for about three weeks and <laughs> have not found anything else to talk about. Wait, wait, about what was the can. company? Yeah, what's the company? I'm confused now. Uh, Pizza Port. Pizza Port oh. Brewing. Okay, you said buy India Pale Ale, and I oh, was my bad, confused. my bad. No, it says India Pale Ale underneath it. I guess that's just a description of the beer itself. Um, yeah, um, they didn't really have much, like, in terms of, like, uh, you know. Um, I like the word hops in all caps, and then I, uh, not, not really much here. But, uh, <laughs> looks great, tastes great, can't complain. And also water, so because the sun is still up and it's still single digits o'clock down here. <laughs> but yeah, Topher. So, oh, oh, what am I drinking? Uh, yeah, 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 too many <laughs> Yo, nicknames. Let me know immediately because, yeah, yeah, too many <laughs> nicknames. Uh, I've gone through all of them. I'll, I'll say the ones I do like. Uh, I'll use Stud Jackson at work all the time. Every time we're playing like some kind of Jackbox game or anything like that, I'll use Stud Jackson because it's hilarious to me. Don't know why. He works at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he apparently front page on Bold Star every time there's a fight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then uh you know there's a uh, redneck in Yanasha. that's the other one Kagome, y'all! Hey, y'all! <laughs> jesus christ brad quit playing on your phone and pay attention uh, I, to us. i'm making I notes the of the... he saw i'd be on my phone too <laughs> anyways what am i drinking that is a great question oh yeah brad i'm using uh the dank williams glass Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and out of that Dank Williams glass, I am drinking uh, ranch water, Paloma, whatever you want to call it. Tequila, lime, sparkling water. I was say, it looks really clear. I can tell yeah, what I, was, you're I, I thought it was just sparkling water at first. But. Yeah, it looks tequila, like a puddle lime. of gas station. It looks great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hidden. I also just finished off a bottle of tequila, so uh, luckily I have another one that I can open. <laughs> luckily, okay. I say, luckily, I'm going right. to sleep it off tonight. <laughs> Not, <laughs> luckily, I have another. Okay. Uh, 
Brad, what uh, something something beer? Dark side, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey everyone, this is Brad, uh, and throughout every podcast, you will hear this noise, and that noise means that I am one step closer to becoming <clears throat> red suits. Uh, anyways. <laughs> um, Today I am drinking from Fair Isle Brewing, uh, the Almoda. Uh, it's a farmhouse ale aged in oak for seven months. And uh, Chris, this was actually one of the ones we tried when we were at the brewery when you were in town. So, oh, that was a that was a fantastic tasting beverage. Oh yeah, so uh, decided to pop it open. Five point three percent local brewery, love it. Um, but yeah, so that that is that is my beverage of the night. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you guys letting us know that uh, letting of your beverages for the night. What we actually would like to know, though, on top of that, is uh, who are our lucky sponsors for this week, Chris? Because we have some bills to pay, and you're always the man that brings us the people that pay them. <laughs> yes, uh, once again, if you want us to pay us even more, sponsor us. You have a product that doesn't suck? Let us know in the comments. What social media platform? All of them. Anyways, uh, for today's sponsors, uh, you know, be remiss if I uh, haven't mentioned hard rice in a good minute. <laughs> because, uh, folks, I kid you not, uh, as I'm watching this film, I-, I had some hard rice because, you know, it's me. And I also had some, like, water and some, like, brewer's yeast left over from something. Let it ferment for quite a bit. Then, uh, you know, finish the film, drank it, and... Uh, don't remember the film. So yes, you can use stuff. hard rice to make uh, booze, soju, moonshine, chimichangas. I don't know. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, shout out to chimichangas because I'm kind of drunk and kind of hungry. Oh man, I know that Grubhub is going to be hidden. All right, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah uh, chimichangas. I mean, I, I can go, I'm not gonna lie, I can go for a chimmy right now. Like, it would be chimmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, have you, have you ever seen like Meet, meet the Fockers? Like, like, have you ever known me to turn down a chimmy? <laughs> or, like, you know, Ozzy going on his whole burrito kick back uh, in the day. Yeah, that was that was very strange back then. A what? He went on a burrito kick, like, he loved burritos. I think he said a burrito cake. No, kick. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. You might be on to something. Yeah, what, what would be in a burrito cake? I have to oh. Google that right now because I know some person burrito. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that that's stated. Um, well, if yeah, you make burrito cakes and you'd like to sponsor us, let us know. <laughs> we will be here. In the meantime, we have other sponsors we'd like to talk about. Yeah, well, and also in the meantime, uh, thank you, Chris, for those lovely sponsors. Um, guys, this week... I don't the- feel sincerity in that at all. <laughs> this week... I said it in my customer service voice, too. He did say it in a customer service voice. This week, the Brood is going to be reading 2010's Bunraku. But before we before we do that, this is your spoiler warning. Everything we say from this point forward can and will be a complete and total spoiler. Thus, if you have not seen this movie and clicked on this podcast, please pause the podcast, go and watch it, and come back. We'll wait. Not that you'd actually really want to, but all right, you're back. Well, if you decided to ignore our warning, it's your own damn fault. Okay, before we begin, Brad, we have feelings on this. 
Defend yourself, please. <laughs> yeah, like, why don't we yeah, like go through the film and all defend it? From like the 2000s. I want, or they only I, had terrible I, I, porn I videos back then under, online. And I do, have, I do have something I do have something that uh, I, I'm going to say when, when we get to the ranking I, I, of the I film. I just want to put it Because I, I do have feelings about okay. that. But Okay, so, all right. So, one, I'm going to put out. I'm going to throw this out there. This review is probably very much going to be season zero style because I couldn't follow the plot of this film. Okay. <laughs> Just, and so to, what, what did imdb say about the plot um well here so this is this is this is a breakdown from rotten tomatoes it says in a future society where guns are illegal a fist fighter played by josh harnett and a swordsman played by gack pummel and slash away at their reclusive leaders army of thugs that is the film good night we're done <laughs> that was the plot yeah, that's there, there oh. is no there is no plot. There is no there's there's nothing there. It is fight scene the musical because it honestly wants to be a musical. <laughs> you know, You're like musicals actually make sense though. No, like no yeah. seriously, the director literally stated he made the they made this film the way they did because he was very much influenced by musical theater. Yeah. That's why the film is the way it is, and then it's also based on bunraku theater, which is. Japanese pup, like Japanese puppetry with four foot puppets. Um, That's actually one of the things I really like about the movie is like the cinematography and the set design. I, I know, I know, Buddy doesn't, but like I think it makes it unique. And I really like the opening sequence where they're using the puppets. And yeah. yes, and I think the opening sequence is one of the coolest, honestly, the coolest part of the film. But like other than that, the set design and actually I really like this film. I own it. I've seen it with the director's commentary and stuff. There are a few things that they totally fucked up on because of Killer Number Two. I will. I will. Killer Number Two is probably the best part of this movie. Wait, but but Killer Number Two fucked up some of the cinematography in it because they built the sets for for the cinematography expecting a right-handed actor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. killer number two is left-handed oh. so they actually had to do there are a lot of scenes where he actually you can tell he's doing something awkward because he's using his right hand instead of his With left his hand sword mm-hmm. yeah because the they yeah. because they needed to compensate for for how some of the sets were designed to film it on a right-handed actor another thing about this film you know, I'm gonna save that for the the actual review because uh, I, I, I do need I to can, defend. I can my, riff for a my... minute. Huh? I, I mean, I can, I can riff for a minute as well. I mean, I mean, uh, go for it because legitimately, I have nothing on this film. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. You know, I, I, I'll say this: this film knows exactly what it is, and it commits. I, I will say that there is no. This isn't a thing where they didn't have the budget to make it what they wanted to be. They had the budget. The director clearly had a vision for what he wanted his film to be. It was supposed to be a spaghetti western meets a samurai film that also takes place in this storybook wonderland fantasy of a bumraku play. If that's I think that's what I'm gaining yeah. from everything. Well, you, you forgot there's a, there's it's also a noir film. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a noir film. It's, it's also and, a yakuza film because it has elements of that genre in there too. Yeah, and it, it became so much of a genre mash that. It's tough to get a hold on what this film is, and I think a lot of people that watch it, myself included, um, have a dip- difficult time grasping what exactly they are watching because 
they take so many genres. They take a noir film. Yeah, they take there's a the lot spaghetti western. They take the samurai film, and they they mash it together all against the backdrop of this uh, Bumraku play, which makes everything else sort of seem a hollow and fake in a sense because you keep getting reminded that you are on a film set. You're never fully immersed in it, per se. You know, it feels like you're watching a play the whole time. And I think that's one thing that's really difficult for viewers to get their hands and minds around because it is so radically um, different from what we're used to seeing. I feel this would be a completely different experience if the set wasn't set up like a play or if there are certain elements that they didn't uh, force into it. Like, if this is all just taking place in a Hollywood backlot where it was just this uh, spaghetti western with sand on the ground and wooden houses and, um, you know, basically the setting from, um, excuse me, The Harder They Fall or your favorite western film would have been a completely different film because electricity yeah. as well. The director had a clear vision. They clearly had the money to get what they wanted to do done. Uh, I, I think just the finished product just combined so many films and film tropes that it's hard to get a handle on what exactly you're supposed to enjoy and like about it. And, um, you know, it's, there's so much going on here. And I think that's the main issue is like, there's just too much of a good thing. It's cut run over with way too much stuff. Yeah. And like, actually what I was going to save to the end, I'm actually going to just kind of get into, I mm-hmm. think that this film would have been a hell of a lot more enjoyable if it were a mini series instead of a film. Because because they try to cram way too much story into two small segments of the film, and it it ruins it. And it's like one of the coolest aspects of it is the woodcutter employing these the killers, killers number two through ten. And it's like the only killer you really get to know is killer number two. Mm. And then all the other killers is just like, oh, you see they have unique fighting styles, but like Especially yeah. towards the end, they blow through like four killers in no time. Yeah, they're, they're so all nameless like, mooks at that point. Yeah, and so it's like they they make such a big deal about how he employs these. You know, he has a sporting gesture of just sending yeah. one killer. Da, da, da. It's like, but you're you're not using that idea to the full potential. So that's one of the reasons I think this would have made a better miniseries. Another reason is each, both of the main, actually all three of the main characters. Uh, the bartender, uh, Yoshi, and the drifter, grifter, drifter, whatever. Drifter. Yeah, they all have very different motivations that are crammed into such a short amount of time for wait, each wait, of them wait. because they're trying to go around. Well, it's like that. We're never even told what the drifter's motivation is until yeah, they, he suddenly yeah, they, gets it. Yeah, <laughs> into yeah, exactly. Final. And it's like five, five minutes of the movie. And they try to shoehorn his motivation in before that by saying like by uh, the bartenders like, oh, I knew him, too. When I was young, he was around. And it's like you're trying to shoehorn too much into too short amount of time. And also so you're trying to build an expansive character, but you're trying to build like 800 others. So, again, miniseries, I think it would have been a little cooler, maybe like a four-part series, four- or five-part series, where they could have expanded a little more on these characters without trying to shove 100 hours of story into, like, 20 minutes. That's yeah. that's where my, my complaint on this I, film I, is. I personally think this would have been better as an actual Bunraki play. I, mm. think, I think had they gone the route of, say, Thunderbolt Fantasy, um, which... 
for anybody that doesn't know, Thunderbolt Fantasy is a um, me. Uh, well, well, it's, if you, it's a, it's a, it's actual puppet play, the modern day puppet play that's uh, based off of Wuxia, the you know Chinese, uh, basically what Chris refers to as the Chinese version of superhero comics. Um, oh, but but they actually use puppetry um, to create this show. It, it's actually fairly popular. Um, I think had they actually gone with what inspired it and done it that way, or better yet, as Buddy put it. It wants to be an anime so badly. It, yes, it, <laughs> it, it, it wants to be an anime or a video game. Yeah, like, yes. and that's a lot of the reviews say that. Like, this would have been this. It wants to be a video game. It wants to be an anime. It would have been better as a video game or an anime. You know, um, you know like, that drifter, like you know that hat. He's like he'd kill an opening anime sequence. <laughs> oh yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. But you know that that's part of the problem. This film does like. Well, I think the the director knew what he wanted to do. The film doesn't know what it wants to do. Like the, yep. the the film itself gets lost in everything else that's going on. I'll, I'll give the creators their due. Like the sets are beautiful. The the choreography at times is beautiful. And Killer Number Two steals the show. I don't care who you are. But <laughs> that that stated, it's a hollow film. That yeah. it tries to fill that hollowness with a bunch of flash and panache, but never meets it there. And so like. I'm going to do my best to try to run through this film, but there's not much to go through. So essentially yeah, and the- actually when, when, as we kind of run through, like I said, I've seen this with like director's commentary and stuff. There are a few things in this film that I'm going to like kind of randomly point out because I feel like it makes it better. But again, they, they tried to cram it to into too short amount of time or too small a period of time that could have made the film better if it was, uh, again, a miniseries yeah. or like a video game or a cartoon or something like that. Yeah. So like, that, so I'll point out a few of those things. So essentially, Bunraku takes place in a post-global war world where guns have been outlawed, but everything else is perfectly okay. <laughs> there are more ways of killing a man than there are ways of making bread or making love. <laughs> and it's the, the, the puppets. The, 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 the puppets were funny. Puppets. <laughs> yeah, the, the puppets were funny yeah. there, but essentially we're we're created to this world where now gangs sort of vie for control of this city. I think. <laughs> and yeah, like, they they kind of like breeze through that. It's like it's, it's like each city, like the countries, don't really control things anymore. It's like yeah. cities are controlled by gangs. Yes, yeah, cities are controlled by gangs, and in order to control a city, you have to fight the gang. But in order to have a fight, it's like now a full on like ritual battle where you have to like schedule the fight and whatnot. Yeah. Like, um, and so it's it's a weird thing. Um, However, at the top of the hierarchy of this city is Nicola, the woodcutter, um, who sort of looks like the man on the mountain stereotype, the white dude with long beard. Um, which here I will, you know, it is weird. But we, we also get introduced, as soon as the movie starts, we get introduced to num- killer number two, the man in the red suit, because Nicola's army are the red suits they're a bunch of mm-hmm. jerks but number two is the weirdest most stylish dude possible <laughs> he was so, the, my favorite person to watch anytime yes. he was on camera yeah. i was like you know what they didn't even give this guy a script and he's I'll, just, I'll just vibing say, i was about to say as a little trivia on him he did all of his own choreogra- choreography and stunts himself because he wanted to yeah yeah and That's actually good. so so this is where one of the things about the character kind of comes into play um, so if you notice in the first fight, everything he does is based on sound. 
He doesn't look at his opponent. And it kind of like comes back later on. But what they were trying to convey is that his he has superhuman hearing, essentially. Um and again, that's kind of uh, that's kind of <laughs> lost. And yeah. like, and they kind of call back to it later on when he gets the girl from the whorehouse and she barks at him. Yeah. Yeah. Like they kind of try to convey it, but they don't do it in a way that works. Yeah. But like again, knowing that makes it kind of cool. So that's yeah, one so, of the things. Yeah. So could have left the choreography to professionals. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, yeah. It was. It was what it was. He did his best. Uh, we we do see Killer Number Two annihilate a gang by himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, with a with a well, essentially with a cane. Um, and we find out uh, that's when we find out about Nicola. And then we sort of get introduced to the Drifter. We don't know why he's there. We just know he's looking for Nicola. We don't know why he's looking for Nicola. He ends up going to a bar where he meets, well, Woody Harrelson. The, he meets Woody Harrelson, the bartender. Who's and they have. Crafts. Can I just. Yeah, who, who's who's, who's, who's <laughs> making, he's making a Boonraku puppet book. <laughs> like, yeah. And so. That oh about Arachnus Spider Man yeah. yeah, about yeah. Spider Man oh God the Spider Man ripoff but 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 we don't find oh. out about till he meets Yoshi um, but so there's a whole little scene there's a little fight there's a little fight scene yeah, there's a there's a fight scene in the bar with Josh Hartnett's character the Drifter where apparently he kills a guy just by punching him <laughs> because because they, they like they hit he hits the guy and they're like you killed him and all of a sudden he starts counting the bounties. <laughs> That's exactly how they sounded. <laughs> yeah, you killed them, <laughs> and all of a sudden they uh, he starts counting the bounties on each of their heads. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like Street Fighter. Yeah. It sounds like a video game. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then he counts the bounties on each of the heads, and basically he's just like, "So is this is it worth it to you guys?" He's like, "Cause uh, he's like the bounty on this guy can't be split nine ways." <laughs> he's like, oh and they end up paying yeah. him not not to kill them. <laughs> and so he gets information from Woody Harrelson's character about how to find Nicola, but she goes to a bar where they hold a poker game, but he can't buy his way into the poker game like he hoped to, because Woody Harrelson gave him information that he could bet his life, and then the guy at the poker game is like, "Your life is worthless. Bring us this money." Um, yeah, yeah. So then we end up going to a sushi shop where we meet Yoshi, played by Gact, um, who is a man who has been sent from Japan to live with his uncle, but also to apparently get a gold medallion of a he dragon. Wasn't, he wasn't sent to live with his uncle. He was he came on his own to find the medallion to bring honor back to his family or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they did not make that clear. <laughs> yeah, they 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 again poor job oh, on I that. I slept through like 20 minutes of this film. It, uh, I started to fall asleep on it. Um, so Chris, that, how long have you been here? <laughs> so, so so that that kind of happens. Basically, you realize, you realize Yoshi is a man about honor. And whenever honor, there's a whole little like a narration by Josh Hartnett's character about the drifter, about like how honor is so big and things like that. And like how like essentially dishonoring somebody is really it really is really bad as these lures especially if that man happens to be it's Japanese. Japanese it's like <laughs> <laughs> and so then Gact proceeds to beat the living hell out of a couple of red suits who smear wasabi on his face because oh and he eats it <laughs> and he eats it as if because the red suits came there for the fish uh, <laughs> like as they actually say it that way for the fish it's this, yeah. the weirdest 
ever. So he beats the hell up. And okay, I'm gonna point out here. I'm actually a really big fan of Gact. Like a really big fan. Yeah, he's he's a good actor. He he's, also does like rock he does he's a pop star, a rock star, and yeah, well he's and yeah. Well Gact is he's he was the front man of my favorite visual K band, Malice Miser. And then he has a solo artist, he's great. But here's the thing. Gak speaks perfect English. Oh, really? he he de- he speaks perfect English, he, and so they he didn't made, have to do. He didn't have to do the accent. No, yeah, he he sings in English. <laughs> also, I I guess it's just the, like a slight slight tangent. It's like I know we talked about this being an anime, like a graphic yeah. novel, but even like yeah. the text for the subtitles for the Japanese subtitles, yeah, were like Comic Sans, and they were yeah. written in like stylized like little comic book uh, panels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, and actually, random, random funny fact about the the sushi. So, like, that's supposed to take place in the sushi bar that's in like the Japan Japanese yeah, part Japan of town. town. Essentially, yeah. Um, and if you when they go outside, you see all these flyers that are in Japanese, but it's all like none of those are real Japanese characters. And yeah. there were so many people on set who spoke Japanese. So like you have Gak, you had uh, Momoko, you had yeah. the uncle, yeah. you had a lot of people on the set who spoke Japanese. And they were like, this is all gibberish. And everyone on the design was like, we know this is like <laughs> a stylizing choice. But they would always point it out to where in the middle of town in Japanese, it says, we know this is gibberish. Yeah. So, like, it, um, kind of funny. The only actual Japanese that you will see on screen <laughs> says, we know this is gibberish, or we know it's not real Japanese, or something like that. It's, yeah. So, I was like, this scene also when he beats the hell out of the red suits, we also meet Momoko and his uncle. And basically, his, because Gak is, or Gak's character, Yoshi, is obsessed with the idea of honor and bringing honor back to his family. And his uncle is like, honor's going to get you killed. <laughs> He's like, you're stupid. Why are you doing this? But then Momoko. Who we don't actually like basically she almost acts like a little sister but i think she's meant to be an adult but i don't think she i'm not exactly sure what the hell her character situation is um yeah she's there to exist to get kidnapped like, um, I think that that's another thing with with her and the uncle. Like they, like the uncle later on turns it's like a certified badass. Yeah, the uncle like straight up straight carves some dudes up. <laughs> it's like, and why are we not getting more of the uncle being a straight up badass? And like, <laughs> you'd think, and then like Momoko acts like a badass, but is like worthless. Yeah, <laughs> like she she like talks the game, but she's useless. And yeah. and I feel kind of bad about that, but yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, so we we sort of we get that that nonsense there, and then Yoshi ends up essentially getting thrown out by his uncle, <laughs> essentially. But Momoko sort of leads him to the bar where the bartender's at that can get information about the medallion. Well, he goes to the bar to get information. That's where we find out about Arachnus, <laughs> the the Spider Man ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> which it, it, it is so obvious it, it is so blatant he's like so it's a it's a story about personal responsibility like yeah <laughs> he gets bit by a spider and he has spider ability what <laughs> it's, it's uh. but also i think it was also a throwback because spider-man is really big in japan like it's huge in japan yeah, yeah he, he had he had his own tokusatsu where he had a megazord the hold on <laughs> That's showing up in No Way Home. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) So, so then when it comes to the bar scene, uh, I'm gonna kind of like jump ahead. I'm sorry, but uh, I know you. 
I was just about to mention, because right after this, we meet Alexandra, the love interest of Nicola, who we find out was actually stolen from another man. Because yes. why not? Because Nicola can. <laughs> and basically, she's yeah. a whore, essentially. That's essentially it. That's <laughs> rude. That's, she called yeah. herself that. That's the sad part. She said, "I." She literally said, "I could have been someone's woman, but I chose to be someone's whore." <laughs> yeah. Um, she she's kind of. I like her. She's useless. Like she, she's useless. I, yeah, no, I agree. She's useless, but I like her because, like, she's stand. She like stands up, but like not enough at the same time. Yeah. So it's like she'll she takes. She like talks so much shit to like killer number two. But, like, in the end of it all, the, like, she's not really doing much. So, like, I kind of like she's... And, again, when she barks in his ear, she is literally all bark, no bite. Yeah, it's... Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, so. we... I mean, following that, we, we get this moment where the Drifter and Yoshi meet up in the bar because there's a conflict. They're about to fight. The bartender's like, hey, if you're going to do that, take it outside. And then they don't go outside. He, like, takes them to an abandoned warehouse where they just fight in the, <laughs> yeah. in the warehouse. And then it's in starts, the rain. And then it starts to rain. But before it rains, the bartender goes, grabs an umbrella, pops it open, sits back down, and continues to watch them fight in the rain. Kind of thing Ibrahim Chris would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a Michael Jackson video. They're just out in the rain for no reason. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so here's the thing. From this point forward in the drama. Movie, from this point forward in the movie, we now know the main characters are the bartender, Yoshi, and the director. The movie it also this, took me ha- it took me half the film to realize that was the point. Yeah, those those three are the main characters. Like they said, you have a, a a cowboy with no gun, a samurai with no sword, and a horseman with no horse. Um, and so, essentially, from this point forward, it is a string of fights leading up to the final battle with Nicola. That is the movie. Mm-hmm. From the, yeah. that point forward, that's pretty much all it does. Because even in the small bits that aren't, what do we get? Mo- so we get Uncle being a badass. Yep, we get we get um, a poker game where somehow Josh Hartnett's character is winning everything despite Nicola spying on everyone, no one was in everybody's hands, and he's somehow s- switching the cards. Yeah, somehow they never explain how it happens, but then he ends up challenging Nicola to a duel. Again, that happens. Momoko is kidnapped by Killer Number Two, who then wants to make her his whore or bride. Yeah. They, she's dressed in a wedding dress, but they're in a whorehouse. <laughs> like, it's it's really reasons. weird. Yeah. So, oh, and then there's the liberation then, army. Oh, and then <laughs> wait, wait, and then what makes no sense? This is what makes no sense to me. It's like okay, the whole film. At the hold on, shut the fuck up. Towards the end, it's like they have to go to get to Nicola the woodcutter. Yeah, and they're like, how do we get up there? He has to come down eventually, and then he's like, well, you can take a waterfall. It's like, so wait, do you mean to tell me? That every time Killer Number Two has to go to Nicola and back, he goes through this waterfall freaking route where it's like a freaking ninja warrior course. Like they don't <laughs> explain why they can't just take a fucking road. Yeah, like, it's, and but here's also the thing: like this is clearly it's meant to be sort of it's meant to be like a Sin City esque sort of thing. But it's also a a world in which there are cars, there's electricity, there's modern conveniences. By the but way, the bartender's car, I want it. Fiat 600, <laughs> or it's also technically a German version of the Fiat 600 called 770 by knock something, whatever. Anyways, yeah, I want that car. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you got something hopeful out of this movie. <laughs> um, just So we do get a, a 
pretty interesting about so they meet the liberation army or the the proletariat liberation army mm-hmm. um which is made up of a bunch of people who are tired <laughs> of angry dads essentially yes <laughs> they're a bunch of people who are tired of having money stolen from them by the red hats and having their daughters stolen from them by the red hats because mm-hmm. well nicola has a whorehouse for his whenever he gets bored um very angry dads by yeah <laughs> which also hold up cutting back there's a moment where you see a scene with nicola alexander played by demi moore by the way uh, still very beautiful. Um, and uh, the killer, killer number two. And here she is truly acting like like Nicola's woman because the entire yeah. time, the entire time, entire time Nicola is berating this dude. She is <laughs> Chris. Say it out loud. Please don't. No. Say it out no. loud. Chris. That's going to be more work that. for Brad. Do, do not say that out loud. The do entire, you want me to, Brad? No. Do not. No. I'm telling you no. It's going to be more work for Brad. I'm telling you no. <laughs> she's a very attractive woman is what Chris is she's, saying. She's a very attractive woman. So Something anyway, like is what Chris is so saying. The entire time Nicola is berating killer number two, she is cracking walnuts as loudly as she can. Yep. Like, she can like, crack other things. And again, that goes with the whole hearing thing. Yeah. He has superhuman hearing. She's trying to... She's, she's messing with him. And so, like that happens. God, but, I've cursed so much in this in this episode. Yeah, I'm giving a, myself a lot yeah, of work. Drop the F bomb a few times. Yeah, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> this is one of those things killing episodes where it's just like screw it. Uh, just, okay, so, guys, sorry if I if I miss a few censors. My bad. Uh, <laughs> um, there, can, so where are we? Uh, so so we're actually we're, so we got to the liberation scene, which because like I said. Uh, <laughs> We, we we saw Uncle be a badass, and Momoko got kidnapped. While oh, okay, okay, uh, there, the, this takes place in the right around the same time as mm. for the like time frame in yeah. the movie. There's that stairwell scene where it plays out like a comic book. Oh, that's thought, that's a while before. That's actually a really cool scene. Here's the sad part. Cool I don't well. remember that scene. I legitimately don't, do. I that don't scene remember is it. So good. All of this shit blends together. I don't remember it. <laughs> okay, so that scene. I thought that scene was cool. The kidnapping thing happens, and there's the fight scene. I think right afterwards, yeah. where they cut camera angles every freaking second. Sort of. Well, they so they do the whole training montage, which isn't a training montage. It's like yeah. like shadows. Like they, you see Yoshi get his samurai sword, his bow and arrows, all that stuff. You see the grip. The drifter gets brass knuckles because he just punches. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then you get the the little war where they go and attack um, Nicola's it's like whole a training thing. Training camp. Yeah, they attack his training camp, and so, but it's also where the whorehouse is. Yeah. And so in there, they set the training camp on fire with the with like the people inside of it who have nothing to do with this mm-hmm. war. But you, but you know what I'm saying talking about where they're switching. Yeah, yeah. Angles every second. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's the that's the liberation war. But also during that time, so the the whorehouse is is set on fire, which then leads to. So right before that occurs. Uh, Killer number two brings Momoko, says, prepare her for me. That's when, you know, like Brad's yeah. been talking about, you know, Momoko like barks at him, like all this other stuff. Like, <laughs> like she, she is, she's feisty. Um, but she, again, she's useless in this movie. Um, <laughs> feisty, but useless. Yeah. And so then later on, we see her in like <laughs> a wedding, we see her in a wedding dress sort of thing. And they're trying to do her hair. And then and they tie her to a, to it, a beam. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Un- but they don't explain it. Yeah, we it's like know. no, they don't even see her get tied. It's just like the building's on fire and they find her tied up. It's yeah, like, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, they find her tied up, and then Alexandra 
is trying to save her, is trying to get her out. Moko tells her to run, save yourself. So she does run, but that's when the horseman comes in, aka the bartender, comes in to save and sees Momoka, ends up saving her. But then you see Alexander running. You see, you you see Alexander run back in with a pair of scissors. She didn't abandon Momoka. She was going to get her out no matter what. Then you find out from there, the person Alexander was stolen from was the bartender. Yep, that's how he that's how he ended up with his limp because Nicola messed up his leg. And you have this and they actually of, they kind of foreshadow that uh, yeah kind I of mean, fairly well earlier. I mean, I, I knew who, I knew who it was. Yeah, it was foreshadowed yeah. in the the little the comic panel that they did to show yep. the whole scene. And then it goes to, to the... Yeah. Now, and, 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 well, it's like, and then the flaming roof falls on top of Demi Moore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we see. So yeah. And can we talk about that particular fight scene? Because that's one of my biggest complaints about it. I actually paused the movie and had to take a break because I was getting dizzy. Wait, which, which fight scene? The one the where they switch camera. Yeah. They switch camera angles every second. Oh, was it the one in the hammock? The fight in the trampoline? I'm not making this no, up, y'all. No, talking. not that one. The one after. It was right after it's, that. It was before that. It was the, oh, before that. Yeah. Wait, no, no, it was after. You're right. It was after. <laughs> it was after. Yeah, it's the Liberation War where they're all together. Like, they're fighting on, like, the big battlefield. Oh, the war where everyone's fighting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that, they switched, that, I will say, yeah. <laughs> so they switched it every second. And then I couldn't figure out what in the world they were doing. And as much as I crap on and love Shaw Brothers action movies, I at least know what the hell they're doing. This one, I have no idea what they're doing. Like, they could have benefited with, like, some throwback to Shaw Brothers films in this case, because it would have been nice to see, like, something. Yeah, it was... Which leads me to think, like, whoever did the choreography really didn't know too much about martial arts. I don't, I don't think they did, because even before this, when we get a lot of the fights with the other killers... The, the fights are just stylized. So as Buddy has pointed out, the yeah. hammock and or trampoline fight, it's a fight against a um, aerialist, against a uh, trapeze artist. And there's the whole point is he climbs up there to get to the thing, which then causes Josh Hartnett's character to climb up there for whatever reason that they both have to do the whole dive. Yeah, and that. then it's like they're trying to show that that his char- that the drifter is like scared of heights yeah but like that doesn't play a factor in anything else it was just just there again yeah it's like but it's that scene was just there to show like an interesting fight scene yeah kind of like the the fight scene again now with the stairwell though like what chris was talking about that's a really cool sequence it's like a one-shot sequence where they're going down the stairwell he's just kicking ass trying to get your shit out of jail actually i remember that now i do remember i remember that scene now because it's a great yoshi out of jail yeah oh yeah there's a point where yoshi gets kidnapped gets taken to jail anyways and josh and josh hartnett parkours across the roof does a flying elbow once in happy birthday motherfucker and then breaks him out of jail okay so that occurs so the, the fights with the killers occur in various points. We do get a couple in the beginning, such as the trapeze artist, which Josh Hartnett kills while Yoshi's fighting a dude. He's fighting like a Chinese-styled warlord outside and Wait, kills, also, kills him with a spear. Sorry. the Fighting the trapeze artist killer just seems really re- sort of ridiculous because it's like, does he only fight people on a trampoline? <laughs> like, no, does he no, like lure them into it? <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> they were on the trapeze and they fell to the, to the net. Yeah, yeah but if he was gonna like okay, say he was gonna fight you, right? Like, would he like yeah. lure you to the nearest like bounce zone and like fight you there? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the one thing I will say is is the kill each killer does 
try to take advantage of their strength. Yeah. It's so by luring you into a trampoline. Yeah, lure you into a trampoline. If that's his strength, well, that's his strength. That's I mean, all yeah, well, because half half of that fight, he's like doing backflips and stuff. Like he's yeah, he's, he's, and he's, up. he's yeah, he's like jumping over, flipping mm. over him, like confusing him. So it makes sense, but I see the complaint with it. Yeah, it's, like yeah, it, it just it, gets it's, very complex. It's, it's weird. And like or, said, or does he carry around like those aerobic trampolines everywhere he does and just like yeah. goes on the ground and jumps up? That would be Is that cool. what yeah. happens. That would, that would be have, absolutely that would be great. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, but like I said, Yoshi fights like a Chinese style warlord outside, and it's like two. It's like the the dual sword versus spear, which Yoshi wins. So yeah, all of this occurs, by the way. But like I said, it's just a string of fights, like a literal string of fights that last for the majority of the movie. Then we get to the end where they're now, as Brad pointed out, they have to take the waterfall to get to Nicola's compound. And here we get four fights against the other killers in very quick succession. Um, was, yeah, which the it's like so you have two killers that are just unceremoniously killed in Shadowland. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and then and then you get them fighting their doppelgangers. That's yeah. that's kind of cool though. I so think I, I, I knew the, I think I, it's funny. I knew the one when Yoshi saw that guy sitting on the ground when the guy put his hand up. I was like, okay, this is a battle in one stroke. I knew that. I knew that was a yeah. one stroke battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, but then Josh Josh Hartnett's character, the Drifter, fights the other Drifter, where they exchange cigarettes. <laughs> okay, so that I kind of find that interesting. So it's like his character the whole time is smoking an e-cigarette. Yeah, and oh like gosh, he keeps smelling, <laughs> he keeps smelling the the actual tobacco. So he smells the cigar. He smells like cigarettes. Like that when he knocks out the guy on top of the police station, yeah. he smells yes. a cigarette. So he's always smelling the cigarette. And then like the he gets to the final grifter and it's like, here you go, take the cigarette. And he does. Yeah. And he smells it and puts it in his pocket. And then that like kind of plays out later. But I think that's like the dumbest character development for later on. It's like, oh, this whole time he wanted a real cigarette. End of the movie. He finally gets one. Yay, cancer. Well, we, we, we've known he wanted a real cigarette the whole damn movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it sounds like we... But we you have to agree, the ones, the it was really cool, like, showing the dynamic between the two characters. Because you get the the freaking, you know, the grifter, they're just, like, duking it out like badasses. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, just like... Yeah, it's like, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, the two drifters are just, they're throwing hands, and then Yoshi and the samurai are just very polite, very, like, they're just, they're doing their thing in just one-stroke battle, and then you have the moment where they both come through the doors, and they're in, so first it's Josh Hartnett's character shows up in Killer Number 2's room, where Killer Number 2 is just sitting in a chair, just waiting on them, like, he's just like, he's there, yeah. like, playing music and stuff, and like, you know, oh, tap, so, tap oh, so that, that's actually what I forgot to mention, so in the scene where they're playing poker, where like killer number two is sitting with the women. Yeah. So actually the the actor for killer number two, in his opinion, killer number two is very vain mm-hmm. and like full of himself. So he actually went out and got a manicure and like mm-hmm. m- and like extended nails done because in his opinion, killer number two was very vain about his appearance. So like any close-ups they do of his hands, his hands are like perfectly manicured with mm-hmm. like slight nails on. Yeah. Them. So that and like that's one of the things that like I think the actors loved their characters more than the movie did. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I so. said, kill, Killer Number Two was the best part about this movie. Like, oh yeah, period. Killer Number Two was like, great. Killer Number Two was was straight up style incarnate. Um, 
So you have Josh. Yeah, the Drifter shows up in the room first. Like I said, Homeboy, Homeboy is just chilling in his he's chilling in his room. He's you know like like Buddy said he's just like tapping, listening to music. Like he's having a good he's old time. Yeah, and then so he sees Josh Hartnett's character and he's like he's almost kind of like it's like oh only one of you made it here and and then Yoshi comes in like dragging his like bloody sword and just like throws it away because <laughs> he has one sword left and then Yoshi looks at looks at Drip and says. He's mine. <laughs> because also, killer number two is the one who, spoiler alert, kills his uncle and kidnapped his little sister, cousin, whatever she is. Um, like, I, we, we, we never find, like, I think she says cousin. I'm not really sure. Um, and so then Drifter heads off to Nicola's quarters. And then we get these cinematography that's split between two fights between the drifter and nicola and yoshi and killer number two well the fight with killer number killer number two and yoshi is that's straight up an action fight like these these two is they slugging it out um but killer killer number two is clearly the more technical fighter um Mm -hmm. i never understood the whole cane and the rubbing it like against the the like scarf cloth thing he always has i never understood that um they didn't I give think any it's just a stylized thing that they chose <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know why they did that but you have that going on but then as the drifter goes into nicola's Nicola's room essentially you know they're they're talking about something oh yeah because nicola is shaving himself with his axe because he's a woodcutter yeah. and uh you know you know drifter comes in and says you know how vain of you no, to 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 shave to shave your no, face when you're, uh, you're 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 so worried about your mustache when you're about to you're lose, about to lose your, your head. head. And then first thing Nicola does turns around and just throws the axe dead into his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. With, and then and the all room. I can think of since since Avengers came out, all I could think of was you should have aimed for the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and, and here's the thing, that is the fight between the Drifter and Nicola because the rest of the fight is the drifter on the ground screaming in pain as Nicola monologues him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, was he injured or something? Could he not do anything? Like, It's like every time he tried to get up, he would fall because of the pain. And it's just like, but on the flip side, Yoshi and killer number two, they throw in hands. <laughs> They're throwing hands, which eventually leads to, because, I mean, Yoshi is getting the crap kicked out of him, but eventually he loses his honor when he attacks killer number two, when killer number two is distracted yeah. and yeah. like, cause the uncle's been saying honor is going to get you killed. Cause he's been fighting this man as if it's a samurai fight and he says, screw it. So when killer number two is distracted, he literally picks up his sword and just runs him through and just pins him to a tree. But at the mm-hmm. same time, killer number two takes the edge of his cane, which has a knife in it and is trying to shove it into Yoshi's eye. And Yoshi's just like fighting it off. And then killer number that two, like the most tense I've been all match. Man. Yeah, it, it, but the thing is, also like the the little character thing, Killer Number Two does like the gnashing of his teeth that he tends to yep. do, like like and he he does it there. He's just like gnashing his teeth against uh, Yoshi, and then eventually he like dies before getting to, to attack Yoshi. And Yoshi is beat up. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yoshi Yoshi is beat up. Uh, Yoshi ends up going into the chamber when Nicola comes in with a bow and arrow. Sees the medallion on Nicola's neck because, of course, Nicola has the medallion. Uh, shoots shoots him with the air bow and arrow, but shoots just the necklace to get the, the, the medallion off. 
Yeah, that, that it's like Yoshi. Come on, Facial bro. Express, bro. <laughs> yeah, come and on. then and then he goes to shoot him again, and then Josh Hartness, then the Drifter pops up. He's like, "No, no, Yoshi, don't do it." And it's just like and Yoshi's looking. I'm like, I will end his shit right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Josh Hartness' character takes the arrow that Yoshi had readied, snaps it off, and still has it. And there's there's a whole moment of more dialogue and. Something occurs, and Nicola gets ready. Goes Nicola goes to get his axe to finish off Josh Hartnett, and turns around, and Josh Hartnett stabs him in the throat <laughs> with the broken arrow, um, and then explains, "Oh, because because uh, the because uh, Nicola's given a whole thing. A man once told him there will always be someone in the world stronger than him. You know, there's always yeah. someone stronger than you. And then as as dude is bleeding out." The drifter says, "The man who told you that, or who taught you that lesson, was my father." My dad. Yeah, and it's like, like okay, uh, cool. Thanks, thanks, thanks for telling us your character motivation yeah. three minutes before the movie's over. Thank you. We didn't know that you were just doing things. You were <laughs> just doing things. <laughs> um, and so then that gets us to the final scene where the bartender is now opening a sushi shop with Momoko. Um, cause it's a sushi bar. <laughs> like, oh my God. And the I'm going home. There's nothing I can do about that. I just have to let it pass over the like, cold wave. Just have to <laughs> the, the drifter finally gets his cigarette. <laughs> he finally gets to smoke his cigarette. And Yoshi is returning home with his honor. And essentially, the drifter says, "You know, I've been basically. He's like, he's, he's like, it's you know, it's it's upsetting. I can't even find a sunset to run, to ride off into." And then Yoshi tells him, "Well, tomorrow's a new day." Why the whole set was basically one giant sunset, color wise. Yeah, and, and and that's they shake hands, and that's the movie, and they go their separate ways. That's the movie. I didn't. I, I literally the only thing I left out was descriptions of fights. That's it. Nothing else happens. The entire movie is a fight scene. It is not even. It's not even like the entire movie is a fight scene, like in the raid, where the entire movie is a fight scene. <laughs> like, this is the entire movie is a fight scene in a bad way. Like, this is yeah. It, it, there's almost too many fights, and that's coming from someone who loves violence. <laughs> like, like when they fought their doppelgangers at that point, I was like, wait, why? Just, just keep going. Go fight Ron Perlman. We don't, we don't need it. You know, I. Uh, hiding so his motivation until the end, I think, was showing up in Asian movies. Movie. I I don't know, and like he's like full on Viking in Asian in like an Asian like cinema thing. Yeah, like this one, he was like full on like like he's like a Viking. He has dreadlocks and he's like swinging around axes. He's not even dressed like a Viking. Like it's it's so yeah. strange, and then that doesn't. So okay, I get it. He's supposed to be a Viking. Why are his why are his people just dressed in red pimp suits? Why? Like, <laughs> like I, there are so many questions about why they did things in this movie and why it's so bad. I yeah, don't understand. So many questions. <laughs> I, like, why? I, so I, I look at the cast. Right, Josh Hartnett who a lot of people know from early, being a 90s heartthrob, was in Halloween H2O, um, was in some TV that show back existed. in the 90s. Yeah, he was in Halloween H2O. Um, yeah, he's been in a lot of things, actually. Yeah, yeah he has. He, oh, I forgot the faculty. That's the one I remembered him from. 
Man, the faculty. Yeah, he, yeah, he's talking about a zero beer review movie. I, I love the I love the movie The Faculty because that was also where you got young I, Elijah. That's where you got young Elijah Wood. It. Oh, yeah. dude! Like I love I love the ending of The Faculty where he like stabs the shit into his eye. He's like guaranteed to f- you up. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even got to review that one. That's a zero beer review. Oh. Right but yeah, so Josh, this was Josh Hartnett, like sort of making a comeback. We also got Demi Moore, who everybody knows who Demi Moore is. Um, but for, for but for most people, if you're a red blooded American male who grew up in the '90s under bullshit patriarchal society status of how gender and sexuality interplay, you remember her from striptease. Uh, <laughs> and then and then for everybody who grew up in like the 2000s and 2010s, you know her for dating Ashton Kutcher, being like 20 years older than him. <laughs> like, so that was that a was thing. A thing. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing. And then you have Ron Perlman, who was Hellboy. <laughs> Just... Uh, and then Woody Harrelson, who's had one hell of a career... Um, he is in the um, Now You See Me movies. He's also in season one of True Detective, which won, I think, a, I think won an Academy Award, Golden Globes, and won like everything. Um, him and uh, Matthew yes. McConaughey. Um, kind he's of also cool. he's also in Zombie Zombieland and Zombieland Two. Uh, he he's had he out of all the people in this movie, he's had the best career. Um, yeah, because he knows his characters. He knows who he plays. Um, so the, the 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 acting, excuse me, the the cast of this movie, they could have done so much more. Yeah, Josh Hart, Josh cast. Yeah, it's a great cast. Josh Hardnett is not a bad actor. He is not a bad actor in the slightest. Um, and I actually think he works well playing like the loner, lone ranger type of guy because he kind of looks that way. Um, he he looks yeah. like an action hero. Um, that's in Gact. I can I forgot about Gact. Gact Gact has a career spanning like twenty or thirty years at this point, and the man is ageless. <laughs> like, yeah, like, he does, and he does he does a good job in like everything. Again, he's like a freaking rock star, a pop star, a movie star, a TV yeah. star. Like he does it all. He's amazing at everything he does. So yes, this cast was stacked. It should. It could have been a phenomenal it, film. It, it and again, this is, coming, this is coming from somebody who likes this movie. Like, this movie could have been phenomenal. It wasn't. It's, it's, it's just a flaming shit show. Um, just like they like they put it in a dumpster, set that bitch on fire, and pushed it down the train tracks on the uh, behind the train to Busan. Uh, <laughs> that was that flaming train that hit the other ones. That, that's, this movie was that train. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, there was a there was a lot there was a lot this movie could have had going. I will give this movie that. I will give this movie something. Stylistically gorgeous. The the idea of taking from musical theater and applying it to how you approach this movie and those sorts of things was great. I love that. Choreography at times was great. Cast was great. Story direct like direction from the director. The, the the set, everything else about this, but everything that that was involved in the actual movie, horrible. I <laughs> and this is this is coming from this is coming from someone who just like Chris, I love those old like Shaw Brothers movies, and the old kung fu films are not good in the slightest. But if you're a martial artist, they're close to your heart. 
This movie tries so desperately to try to be that, but also like seven other genres. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of Gact. Gact was Common Rider stronger, and I'm a huge Common Rider fan. And so this, to see Gact be put in this position where one, he had to put on a phony accent because the man speaks perfect English. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> but two, also like play this this weird, I guess you would say almost parody of a Japanese man. Uh, it was very strange. Um, so th- there was there was definitely some some things about this movie that they're weird. Um, some musical choices were kind of strange. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And the fact that a good seventy percent of the movie is just one long fight scene. Um, just it's like yeah. have you ever played Mortal Kombat? Just like the video game, like all the way through. That's what it felt like. But the depth of that storyline. That's that. That's Mortal what, Kombat that's actually has a very, very deep storyline. This, yeah. this is this is like playing, this is like playing Street Fighter. Street Fighter has no storyline. It really doesn't. They try. They really do try. <laughs> um, but but yeah, this this movie is kind of just one of those those weird weird things where the cast was kind of let down by the script, and then the director didn't help in that that matter. Um, I actually looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes. It currently has, excuse me, currently oh, it is seventeen percent on the tomatometer. I don't ever know how to pronounce that. Seventeen percent, um, and then forty-nine percent audience score. Um, the critics' consensus: Bunraku admirably strives for a visual panache, but the staging, act, acting, and effects are dismal with a complete lack of excitement. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think that's yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it's a film that had so much going for it that could have been really good, but it it otherwise is weird. Also, it had a Jordy Mola in it who played like the like the like Russian gangster in the beginning, who also yeah. played a Puerto Rican drug lord in Bad Boys Two, or Cuban drug lord, excuse me. So yeah, that's a thing that happened. So yeah, unfortunately. But yeah. so yeah, now we have a thing where it's like we go to Patreon, right? <laughs> it's it's well before we do that, uh, every I want to hear everybody's favorite part of the movie. Yeah, why don't we, why don't we say favorite. why don't we say why don't we do a uh, favorite part and least favorite part? Okay, let's, let's even let's, bad films tend to have yeah. at least one thing you like about it. Okay, so I want to go with I want to go with uh, Chris because I know that alcohol has kicked in and this is about to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite part, the stairwell continuous shot. I thought that was cool. Least favorite part, the fight scene where I was sober when I watched it and I had to take a break because I thought I was drunk. Then I realized (laughs) I wasn't. That was weird. Uh, What else was really stupid? I don't know. Everything, the trampoline thing was weird. Also, like when he was complaining about the sunset, it's like, dude, you're in a city where it's just sunset colors the whole time. You're in a damn sunset already. <laughs> just walk in any direction. Exactly. <laughs> Which he did, but you know. Uh, what about you, buddy? Uh, I like the. Gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. So, Killer Number Two's last fight against Yoshi, uh, the guy from yeah. Samurai Shampoo. Yoshi. Um, <laughs> Yoshi. <laughs> he, he does look like Gene from Samurai Shampoo. I'm not going to lie. He does look like Gene. <laughs> he looks just like him. Um, 
I, I thought that I thought that fight was cool. I I looked up the trailer for this movie before I watched it, and I remember specifically the trailer focused on that fight quite a bit. There are a few cutscenes from it, like when Killer Number Two is fighting backwards mm-hmm. with a sword behind him. I was like, oh. Okay, I hadn't seen that before. That looks fun. And so I finally saw the full fight. I was like, oh, okay, that was fun. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was probably my favorite part. Of course, me liking violence. Um, the fight scenes are going to be my favorite part. Yeah. Or at least. Least favorite is, ironically, also another fight scene when they're fighting their doppelgangers. Because why? Why? Why are we still here? Get to the get to the main fights we know we wouldn't Because we had to go through all the killers. Yeah. There could have been seven killers, not nine, okay? <laughs> Alright, Brad, what about you? Yeah, so uh my favorite part, I'm actually gonna agree with Chris. It's that stairwell scene. I think that stairwell scene was so well done. I think it's a really cool, like one shot um kind of showing him saving Yoshi. I really like that scene. And actually, when I first watched this movie, that was the scene that really drew me to it. Like the the and the more I watch it, the more I started to enjoy it. Um my least favorite scene is honestly it it's got to be just in general the killers because again, there there's 10 killers like yeah it could have been it could have been six could have been seven uh, they just they seem so useless but like they're such a big deal at the same time in the movie so i think the killers are kind of like a disappointment except for killer number two i really like killer number two so uh and you avery um favorite scene is the final fight scene for me at least with uh, yoshi and killer number two um, I think that was really cool because I had a lot of like, I like the choreography behind it, and I'm a big fan of Gact, so uh, that was cool. And I really like the actor who played Killer Number Two. I give him his props. Um, least favorite, I would probably say the the nonsensical scene with elaborate. Please. Just, just I was like the I was about to say the nonsensical like rescue Momoko scene. With like mm. when we find out she's randomly just tied to a pole. <laughs> yeah, I and, agree. Like, I think okay. we just gotta like take a like a flaming stick and just like burn the rope. Yeah, I yeah. I, I'm not sure what they're trying to do there because then one, you you made Momoko a useless uh, damsel in distress. Two, you made Alexandra a useless just person in general because then she gets crushed by a ceiling. She went to get scissors, Avery. She went to get scissors. She went to get scissors. And then three, you had Woody Harrelson's character, the bartender, come in, realizes it's his long lost love, and watches her get crushed by the ceiling. And why she carries Momoko out. We have no indication. She can't walk, but he's carrying her. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually something I complained about. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's yeah, this 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 movie. But uh guys, I think we've talked about the thing enough, so I think time we go for our deliberation but before we get there let's take a moment to hear about our patreon hey guys it's avery before we get to the deliberation we wanted to take a quick second to tell you about our patreon it's no secret that running a podcast is an expensive and time-intensive endeavor however you can help us continue to bring you this show as well as assist us in making it better by subscribing to our patreon for as little as one dollar a month you gain access to our entire listening catalog including all of our old episodes patreon exclusive episodes of our chill out show the tavern episodes of our Real Play Roleplay show, The Drunken Dungeon, and so much more. Patrons also gain access to special perks, such as early access to episodes whenever possible. 
gaining the ability to suggest what movie we review next, getting a shout out in a future episode, and even adding to the ever-growing list of Christmas nicknames. You guys know you want to do that. We couldn't do this podcast without your support. Every little bit helps. So, if you like what we do and want to support us, consider subscribing to our Patreon. The link can be found in the show notes. Again, thank you guys for your support, and let's get back to the show. Chris! All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Um, it's about time we get to our deliberation. The Brew Dudes did not rate movies based on how good they are, but rather how drunk you need to be to enjoy them. <laughs> we, we rate movies Chris on a... like he had money on the Bengals game. <laughs> we, 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 we rate movies on a scale of one to five beers, of one beer being for your own enjoyment. Five beers, meaning you need all the beers to watch this movie. Also, every season, each member of the Brew Dudes has exactly one zero beer reviews they can use to help even the odds for them that they particularly like. There are still four zero beer reviews on the table for this season as no one has used it, so this could go anyway if someone chooses to save Boonraku. So guys, what did the Brew give 2010's Boonraku? I want to start with Chris. What do you give this film? Four. Okay. Straight up. I thought the visual thing would, I knew what they were trying to do. I thought that, that was cool. Other than that, that was about it. Everything sucked. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. I have no idea why Ron Perlman's in this for some reason. Just because <laughs> it's him, they need a big white guy. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can see yeah, that. Andre the Giant, unavailable. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of these films that's kind of his role. Even when he played like Marv in Sin City, he's just big white dude. <laughs> also, this <laughs> came out right about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. This came out in that string of films. You had like Sin City, uh, Spirit. Had, yeah, like, the Spirit. You had there's something else. So like tried to cop off that like they tried the to write those. Yeah, tried to get on the coattails a little bit, but yeah. they didn't. Yeah, it's weird, and I'm a dude who actually likes the Spirit, so it's yeah, it's uh, it was strange. Anyways, uh, Avery. Um, I'm gonna follow that taxi. I'm gonna give it a four. Um, sort of like Chris, I did. I started falling asleep. I did not fall asleep. I fell asleep while watching Orcs. I did not fall asleep watching this one. Um, but this film, while I appreciate what it was attempting to go for, um, I think I would have drastically enjoyed it more if I was drunk. Like drastically enjoyed it more. So, um. That stated, I want to throw it to Buddy. Um, yeah, uh, I feel like we've given fives to like films that are like orcs or like Thanksgiving that are just truly terrible. Um, but like I said, there's a movie that knows what it is. Um, even if it missed the mark, it knew where it was going, uh, clearly. So I'm going to stick with a four and uh, just sort of leave it at that. I think we've all said our piece about said film, but... Uh, you know, if you're looking for something really different, if you like graphic novels, correction, if you really, really, really like graphic novels and anime, you might find something really interesting here. Um, it's one of those films that is um, radically different, but it knows what it wants to be. And even though it misses the mark, uh, it still makes a valiant effort to get there. So I'll say four. All right. And Bradley, you're up last. Yeah. So I'm going to give it zero. Wait, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I know that my score at this point doesn't matter because we do the, do the majority rules. Yeah, but so I am actually shut up. I am actually going to give it a two point five. What? Because uh, yeah, how are you smoking? Yeah. Go, Look, go enjoy the film. Like I, I, said, I actually, I actually do enjoy the film. To, out there is going to enjoy it. Um, I actually do enjoy this film, um, but I do have a lot of gripes with this film. And again, in my opinion, this should have been a miniseries because they tried to throw just too much story into it. It's and. I think it would have either been a better film if, again, miniseries, or if they would have taken out some of the story elements that they tried to throw in. Um, some of the characters I thought were really cool. Some of them were fell flat. Um, and who knows? Maybe if this film was done, you know, in a more recently, or with more writers, or somebody to kind of like ground it, it could have been. Honestly, it could have been great. And I love the cinematography and the set design. I think the set design is is so unique and so interesting. So, but I understand that you know we do do a majority rule, so that does give our overall score of a four beer review for 2010's Bunraku. Hey guys, well you heard Brad. I don't have to beat the dead horse. I'm, I'm sorry, Pete. I know you're gonna hate that line. <laughs> um, um, the brew dudes, but it's a horseless horseman. It is a horseless you know, horseman. Wait, people, uh, Peter, people for the ethical tasting of agave. Oh, wow. Ooh. Hmm. Tequila. Uh, so the brew dudes give 2010's been rocking a four out of five beer review. Well, guys, thank Shrimp you for Alfredo. listening to this week's episode. But yeah. before we let you guys go, we always like to send you guys home with something something happy, something hopeful. And we always like to tell you about what's going on in our lives outside the world of cinema. So, guys, I want to hear about what you're geeking on. Uh, I want to hear from Buddy. <laughs> One of these days, I'll stop doing the deer in the headlights look, and he won't call on me. Um, yeah, uh, I, I know it's like the start of the year. I know it's like February, but I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things. So, you know, just getting back into real life. You know, we had Christmas, we had New Year's, we had the holidays. And I feel like I'm just getting back into my routines, but also trying to understand what I need to do better. I know what worked last year for me, but also didn't work. And I hope those people listening out there understand what worked for them last year and what didn't work. And um, I'll just leave you with this. I saw a tweet a while ago where um, a woman tweeted out that you have to be ruthless about your happiness. And until you understand that, you probably won't understand anything. So um, understand what makes you happy. Understand what makes you complete and whole and be ruthless about it. And, you know, don't hurt anybody in terms of that. But um, understand that um, only you can make you happy. So, yeah. <laughs> Toss it over to uh, Brad. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, there's been a lot of things kind of going on, but uh, yeah, what I've been doing Yeah. <laughs> What I've been doing to relax lately is I actually got an Xbox Series X. I was able to get a hold of one, and I have Game Pass. So I recently yeah. downloaded uh, The Elder Scrolls Online and mm-hmm. the new Halo game. Man, so I've just been living. bouncing back and forth between those two. So I'm, like, really excited. So um, are you talking so, yeah. to Ivy at all? <laughs> you know, uh, when, we, when we get you know your bed, whole life, you know that that lady. you know when we get into bed, there's the whole "I love you," cuddle up, and go to sleep. Um, that that's that's really all the interaction you need. Uh, 
No, uh, and then actually, we've been uh, Ivy's been applying for grad school. Nice. So. Uh, we've been kind of like talking about that, trying to figure out where she wants to go. So we actually might be moving again, which is yeah. a, a pain in the ass, but like it is what it is. And I really want her to follow her dream. And this is something that she's been talking about for since I've known her. So I, I really want her to be able to do it. So we're trying to do whatever we can to make it happen. So, nice. um, but yeah. And then, and then honestly, when I do game, uh, Ivy games, as well and like plays with the animals and stuff you know she's snow white she has we have all the rats <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um but yeah uh, uh why don't we throw it on over to chris so oh what am i geeking on uh oh, you are pink sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to find myself to trying to find our project to sink into uh i found some guitar kits that i might just pick up and buy before Rickenbacker decides to exercise their whole copyright thing. So I might do that before they figure it out. Cause apparently like they have a copyright on the body shape and literally will go after everybody. Who send copies send it. me a link. Send me a link. Yeah. It's under 200 bucks too, which makes it even more appealing. Yeah. Send me a link, Chris. Yes. <laughs> that part. Anyway. So that's, uh, I more than likely going to buy that. Uh, aside from that, just I spent a whole bunch of money on vinyl recently. Brad knows about some of the stuff I bought, so it's little win, little overboard. But hey, hey, look at us! We, yeah, we can yeah. spend money on vinyl and video games and Xboxes, and look at us! <laughs> look at us. Yeah. Who would have thought? Uh, I'm also in this like, economy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the fence about getting either. Uh, uh, Nintendo or just holding off to the PS5. Treat yourself. I, I, I enjoy my Switch. I'm just going to be honest. I, I really enjoy I, it. I, I really, yeah, my roommate has it, and I'm trying to make Pokemon. it mine. <laughs> I really, I really want to play the Pokemon and, quite honestly, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Remake. Oh, yeah. Dude, I've been wanting to get some of the, the Tony Hawk games so bad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just, honestly, just find trying stuff to distract myself from, like, work and everything else guess is what it comes down to mm. so uh yeah avery uh sup with you uh you know i'm gonna oh, be honest I'm gonna, did you I'm, hear that the bell just rang we the red suits we have to we have to gang up and fight them red the suits the yeah, yeah guys, they, they, that wasn't red suits that was grub hub guys oh much better i haven't taken uh, seven years of jazz and three years of tap i can't i can't fight them yet i'm just just go with the flow so yeah i guess i'll just i'll just go along with you guys to the fight you can just you know tag me in whenever you know someone needs whenever someone has to take a break hold on hold on wait real quick you didn't so how are we going to do this fight if you haven't take uh, tap dancing? You saw the sharks versus the judge. We can't tag you in unless you know that. What the hell is happening? I, I, I mean, I mean, I can do a box step, a mean box step. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> you, need a, you need a mean tap dance and stuff. That's what you need for this fight. Okay. Uh, well, guys, uh, on that note, yeah, I, this film has made me very tired, and I don't know if I'm going to be ready to be involved in this fight with the red suits. Red but that. Um, that stated, guys, thank you for joining us for this week's episode. As always, my name is Avery here alongside Buddy, Brad, and Chris. 
and we'll see you guys at the movies. Bye. And apparently I'm not allowed to recommend films anymore. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episodes of Brews and Reviews. As always, Brews and Reviews would like to thank you for tuning in, and if you liked what you just listened to, please subscribe to the podcast, give them a like, leave a review, comment on the episodes, and tell your friends about the cast, as it really helps the algorithm get the show out there. If you want to follow the Brew Dudes on social media, check them out at the Brewcast Crew on Twitter and the Brews and Reviews Pod on Instagram, where they post information about current and upcoming episodes, and so that you never miss a second of their drunken adventures. The Brews and Reviews Podcast drops regular episodes the first and second Wednesdays of each month, as well as special deep cuts episodes once a month, and is available on every major streaming service, so be sure to check back for more inebriated mishaps. So, until next episode, we'll see you guys at the movies. Bye!